everyone. Happy Friday. It's Jani Organically on the Very, Very Quite Contrary podcast. So Molly and I, my friend Molly from Maison Poor, <laughs> I keep saying it wrong. You're going to hear my intro um, when it starts and I say the exact same thing. She picked a French name and I, I can't pronounce it. People call her Mason. Her name's Molly and it's Maison Poor. <laughs> I, I can't say it, you guys. Sorry, Molly. I'm just, I, I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> so we wrote a blog post about cookware a while ago, and we decided to turn it into a podcast version. So anybody who hasn't had a chance to listen to it or just wants to hear more and hear some banter, you are um, in for a little treat. So I'm actually going to make some closing remarks at the end, because where else would you put closing remarks because we talk about a couple of things in the midst of the podcast specifically around lead and microwaves and so I wanted to add a little bit more detail about that um, after you hear what we discuss. So without further ado here's Molly from the French word I can't say. Hello everybody and welcome Molly from Maison Poor. Maison Poor. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I knew I was going to like mess it, mess something up. So let's just get it out of the way. Um, Molly from, why don't you say it? Maison Pur. <laughs> and um, we're going to be talking about the least exciting version of pot. Um, our pot, our pot post talking about less toxic, non-toxic and some very toxic cookware stuff in your kitchen and Molly and I, four score and seven years ago, Molly and I decided we were going to write a post about cookware, and it took us eons to write it. <laughs> I think I aged like five years in that time frame. Well, definitely. I think your kid had five birthdays in, in between all of that. <laughs> and so we finally um, got our got our stuff together and, and put the post out, and we thought, hey, why don't we go ahead and turn it into a podcast since I've started a podcast. And of course, how long ago was that? Forever ago. So now we're here. We're finally here. Finally here. And um, yeah, so we're going to kind of do the verbal version of of our cookware post so that, you know, if you don't feel like reading everything, because um, I mean, who does? Who wants to sit down and, and read when you can have somebody read to you? <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about headphones and how uh, my husband and I both uh, tend to go to bed listening to something like our, our, uh, a book and we wear our headphones at night and just like in one ear, lay on your side and I can hear his and I'm always like, turn yours down. I, can't, I, can, <laughs> I can hear your story. I don't want to hear your story. Oh, I can't sleep with something in my ear, but Teddy does it all the time. He'll fall asleep listening to podcasts and, and books and everything. And I'm oh. like, but he has those, um, Bose, uh, noise canceling ones. So I can't hear it. Yeah, I have, well, Charlie and I both have the Bose ones that go inside of your ear and he uses, he keeps those in his work bag and then he keeps his regular Apple, Apple ones. Um, and those ones just don't work that great for, um, you know. They, they fall out of your ear pretty easily. So yeah, then, that's what I know, use. <laughs> your your neighbor in bed, like me, can can hear everything. So um, and he falls asleep so fast. I wonder oh. if if Charlie and Teddy, you know, go to sleep with you know talking on the phone to each other. Just 
They might. Out of they each have, other's breathing in each other's ear. They have a whole like secret text. It's not a secret, but I don't know what those boys talk about. They're always texting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got our own. My, uh, you and I have got our own texting, and they've got their own. And then we've got our group chat, which hasn't been active. What's going on? I feel like I'm in an echo chamber every time I go in there. Nobody wants to talk to me anymore. It's Well, you're sending us texts at like midnight, and I wake up in the morning. You go to bed at midnight. <laughs> I do go to bed late, but a lot of times I'll see them and it's like six o'clock in the morning, our time. And I know that's so it's like three in the morning, your time. So I don't want to text you back. And I'm always, you're, you're always telling me that you leave your phone on do not disturb, but I'm like, I'm going to catch her that one time. It's not Not only is my phone in do not disturb. It's also in airplane mode. So that's just standard for me because I wouldn't go to sleep with my, my phone near my head, uh, with it on my husband does. And he like he loves to poison himself. He just he adores it. <laughs> yeah, I can't get Teddy on board with like the Wi-Fi thing either. Like I was trying to get him to turn it off in the house at night, and he's just like, well, I mean, I guess that's why he's listening to stuff on his iPad as he's falling asleep. So he right. wants the Wi-Fi on. Well, like you can download books and stuff, but some things are not able to be downloaded, and so you they like yeah. Teddy and Charlie, they, they leave their phones on, but they have come on board with at least, you know, cooking in a less toxic kitchen. So props to them for that. So Molly, tell us about the dead bird. (laughs) I feel like I'm in an investigation here. Um, Where were you? Where was I? All right. So this was probably 10 years ago. Um, a lot of my readers... Back when we started to investigate. It, it's pretty, pretty much along that timeline, yes. Um, I, I started out, I guess you could say, my wellness journey when I was 18. I'd been really sick. So I was eating mostly... Are you 28? I am. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this was way back. And so I was eating healthy, healthy-ish. You know, I was in my teens and early 20s, so I'd go through waves. Um, but I thought that was it for a healthy lifestyle. So um, then one of my friends moved to Hilton Head. Uh, she got married. So we went down to visit her and um, her bird that she'd had for a few years was gone. So I was like, what happened to your little birdie? And she was like, "This." I had this pan. I was heating it up in the morning with oil in it. And all of a sudden the bird just dropped over dead. And she said she talked to the vet and found out that, you know, it was a nonstick pan with Teflon in it and it creates toxic fumes and the fumes are what killed the bird. And I guess around this time, uh, which was probably 2007, 2008, a lot of households were using Teflon. I mean, that's just kind of like the standard nonstick pan that had been going on for 20 years or so. Right. Um, And so like the vet was like, yeah, this happens all the time. Well, when she was telling me this, I was thinking back to... Um, I kind of am a history buff and amateur for sure. Nerd. Um, nerd, yes. But the whole canary in a coal mine, which is used sometimes as a, a saying, but the canary in the coal mine, before we had little meters that could test the air uh, and machines that could, could tell if there was a problem down in the coal mine, they would bring a canary because they knew if the air was getting bad or if some sort of toxic gas was being released as they were mining, the canary would die and they would know to get out of the mine. Um, and so I was just thinking how it's a first warning because their respiratory system is so sensitive, but 
just because they die and we don't, it doesn't mean we're still not getting all those toxic fumes when we're standing mm-hmm. next to a Teflon pan heating up. It's still bad for us too. Right. Um, and even worse for children whose respiratory systems are still developing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that the bird's so small and it's so sensitive to it is, is why it dies. But you think about that in proportion with us, like our larger bodies, we're breathing that in. It's starting to, to get into our lungs and then circulate through the body. Um, a, ch- a child or a baby who has a much smaller system or body in their system is not yet fully developed to, to filter that stuff out. And a lot of that stuff bioaccumulates anyways. It doesn't just get filtered out by your liver um, so, I mean, it's just, you're using it day in and day out. You're eating the food off of it as well, where it's also leaching into the food. And so it's just becoming this thing that's building up in your system. Right. And so Teflon being like the big bad guy, I guess we'll, we'll start our, our post or post our, podcast, <laughs> our episode, whatever. We'll, we'll start it off with that. Um, because, and we're going to talk a lot about some maybe scary components and, um, we, we don't want this to be daunting and, and don't, don't feel, don't turn this off in like 10 minutes and, and think, I don't, I can't cook with anything because this is a very, um, and one of the reasons it took us so long to put this post out is because it is a really tricky subject. There is no, this is the, the gold standard and this is what you should use. There's a lot of, um, good, better, best. And there are some things that I've chosen to do and Molly has opted to do something different. And what works for me, um, is different for what works for her. And it doesn't necessarily, that means that either one is right or wrong. It's like we've weighed the pros and cons for, for our family because there is no perfect solution or perfect, um, you know, answer, but we do want to highlight some of the bad guys like Teflon. And we'll go into a little bit more detail about like why that is like the absolute, get this out of your house right away. Um, and then here are some, here are some concerning things. And then here are some other options and pick the one that works best for you. And so we don't want you to feel overwhelmed and, and, um, like this is some sort of a test and you have to get it right. And you have to invest and get, you know, all of this one brand, um, so uh, I just want to say that up front before anybody uh, gets scared away by, um, I guess, the intro of, of the podcast with um, don't do this, 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 this <laughs> or this. And you have to go outside and cook on fire and, um, you know, all of that. Right. Because, you know, as as you were just mentioning that, you know, it's it's not only going through the respiratory system when it's cooking, but it's also getting absorbed into food. And... Um, there were some reports done uh, that actually the CDC uh, found that the Teflon was present in like 95 to 100% of people's blood and samples that they took back in 99 to 2000. And then again in 2003 and 2004. And then John Hopkins found uh, this substance in 100% of the umbilical cords that they tested, which means that it definitely plas- uh, passes through the placenta. So it, it, you know, I'm not sure that it's actually, if it's coming through the respiratory system and absorbing into the blood or going through the body um, with, with the food, but in some capacity or maybe both, it's, it's able to penetrate <laughs> Molly's favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> That's and what she said. <laughs> it'll, it gets through, um, you know, it's getting through the placenta to a developing baby. So, um, 
yeah, that's that's definitely one that we would say get it out of your house at all means if if it's still if it's still there. Yeah. Throw throw it away <laughs> at your parents' house. <laughs> it is it is hard because um that has become well now people are becoming more aware but for a long time that was the standard cookware because it's so easy to use and and so i think it's very uh pervasive you go into most people's houses and especially now somebody who's unaware like i feel like you could find teflon pans in someone's house most people's houses still to this day even though there's been so much that's come out against them right including the manufacturer who was fined by the epa that they didn't report all the uh, risks. Right. I mean, like $10 million. And then they settled a class action lawsuit, uh, gosh, just a couple years ago. I think it was 2017. For $671 million for leaking the the Teflon into um, or from their plant. Yes. Um, so Major environmental impact there. Correct. So uh, it's... Uh, we we want to be definitely black and light, white with that one. Is that Teflon? No. Right. And I think, um, you know, one thing I wanted to make clear when we wrote the post is that cookware is expensive. And so I think sometimes when you're hearing information and it's scary, but you feel like you can't afford new cookware. And so maybe you're in this in-between spot where you're like, I don't want to use this anymore because I'm totally freaked out, but all my cookware is Teflon. I, I think I just kind of want to upfront before people get really like, well, what am I going to use? Uh, one thing that we went out of our way to try to point out in the post is that this doesn't have to be an all like switch everything over at once. I think most of us have like our set go to frying pan or saucepan um, that you cook like probably 80% of your stuff in. And so I think if you can at least just swap out the, the stuff that you're cooking with the most, mm -hmm. whether that's just one or two pots and pans. I think if you can get 80% of your cookware or of, of your cooking done in a safer pot or pan, you would be improving your health quite a bit. Right. I have one pan that just sits on top of my stove because I use it so much. Um, I try not, well, I don't really use a microwave. My, um, some of my family members might, but <laughs> I, so I'm constantly just dumping stuff in the same pan throughout every day. So the pan just basically sits there. Yeah. Stove. Do you have one of those? We do. Yeah. I have my cast iron pan that I cook with all the time. And then I also have just like a sauce pot that I use to heat up water or to cook, you know, anything that needs to be cooked in like more of a pot. in. so I feel like I use the same two pieces like over and over again. Right. Yeah. Old faithful. Yep. <laughs> it's only when I'm trying like a new recipe or trying to cook for a crowd where I need to like get out a lot of stuff right. that I'm, I'm kind of reaching into the back and getting more of my cookware out. But I, you know, I know there's probably a lot of people that might cook more elaborate meals, but I'm not, I usually will have something in the oven and one or two things on the stove. I'm not one right. that has like a million things going at once. If you're one of those people and you need a lot of cookware, yeah. <laughs> then I don't know you're what to a tell food you, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, what about, what about aluminum? Mm, that's such a big one. Um, I mean, here we are going to great lengths to use aluminum free deodorants and then there's so much of our food that's cooked and stored in aluminum and, you know, people wrap their food in aluminum um, mm -hmm. and everything else. But it's 
it's a type of metal that easily re leaches out into the food, especially when it's being heated up. Um, and I'm not going to break it down all like sciencey, but a large, if you have something sitting in the fridge and you have aluminum foil covering it, it might leach a little bit, but it will leach the most when it's being heated because on a molecular level, the, when you're heating something, the molecules start to move and shake more. And once again, without geeking out, it just makes it easier for them to leach out into the food. Another way it leaches out is with more of a uh, acidic mm -hmm. reaction. So certain foods will react with metals and bring more of the metals out into the food. Tomato sauce Tomatoes, is, yeah. yeah, that's a big one. So, um, do you have any aluminum foil in your house? I do. And I'm not the one that brought it here. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could just keep throwing Teddy and Charlie under the bus. I or have was to it, say was it it's somebody else. It wasn't, it was, it was my dad. My dad's, my dad is a really great cook and he, uh, he came over on Christmas Eve. I was hosting and was cooking and he brought a ton of aluminum foil. <laughs> <laughs> he brought like a whole thing of it. So I still have it here, but, uh, I don't Do you think, think there's any good use for aluminum foil? Like what? Uh, I mean, I was saving it in case I did some sort of craft or something with the kids where I would need to use it. Like, like either tinfoil hats, <laughs> tinfoil hats. It's a good one. Yeah. Or I was thinking more like lining something. If they were going to make a mask, I could line it. I, mean, I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. I don't, it, and then I'm like, I don't want to give it back to him because I don't want him to use it either. So, right. yes, <laughs> <laughs> he's coming around though. He he has. I've been preaching to my parents for years, and I think this year they've had some health problems hit, and my dad's like come back to me like, you know what? You knew what you were talking about. I was listening to so and so and so and so, and everything you said was right. I'm like, okay, well, thank you for trusting my research. <laughs> so he did say that. Yeah, he said it. Oh. You know what? He said it about canola oil, which was a big thing for years. I've been telling him to stop. I go over there and he's like a huge jug of canola oil. And I'm just like, that's so bad. Like he's yeah. had a heart attack before. And, you know, they both have issues that are rooted in inflammation. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, you need to not use canola oil. And so right. finally, now they've switched. They're just using avocado oil. So I'm happy about that. And he's switched over part of his cookware as well. That's great. Yeah. I wonder what our kids are going to like preach to us about when we get old I don't know you know how traditionally your kids I feel like it's a pendulum right they swing yeah. in the opposite direction and I spend so much time educating my kids about healthy food choices to the point where even they're at school like telling their friends they shouldn't be eating those like yeah. fruit yeah. snacks because exactly. it's full of sugar <laughs> uh -huh. but I'm like when they grow up are, are they gonna just like buck everything I say and like go eat a bunch of processed foods <laughs> yeah they're gonna bring you they're like mom actually this donut is really good for you and I need you to do some more research right right <laughs> <laughs> so uh all right so I think getting rid of some aluminum foil and some Teflon and you're like stainless steel should be great right? Right. Well, not necessarily. You have to be really careful with the kind that you pick. Right. Um, do you want to talk about it or do you want me to? Well, um, well, why don't you talk about it since I just feel like I, yeah, I spoke so, so much. So there's certain, there's different types of stainless steel and they are graded. And so the ones that offer higher grades um, have lower amounts of other heavy metals in them, like nickel, um, because they can also have things like uh, titanium and copper. And 
And, you know, as we've discussed with when you heat things up and things change, some of these can leach, leach onto our, our food. And so, um, Another thing is that a, a lot of stainless steel are basic. They're actually aluminum pans, and then they have a their top layer is stainless steel. So if you're looking at grades that are 400 and above, they might have some lower levels of um, things like nickel. But you also have to check what the core is made out of. Is it an aluminum core? Because if that top layer of the stainless steel gets scratched, well, now you've got the aluminum that will be, you know, leaching, leaching through um, when you're cooking. And so um, I, I don't know that I would ever feel comfortable using any pan that has an, an, an aluminum core, but you might if you know you know that you're only ever going to use you know a, a, a silicone spatula uh, to cook with and you're totally fine with it so I can't make those guarantees in my house yeah I think I've had a lot of readers email me and DM me since our post asking about stainless steel because that's what they have and uh, some of them have invested in really high-end sets and so mm. My advice for for this, I mean, you know, if you're looking at this on the spectrum of good, better, best, um, this is good. I mean, it's certainly way better than cooking with Teflon or something like that yeah. uh, or just straight up aluminum. Um, but my advice would be use it. If you bought it, go ahead and use it. Don't cook anything too acidic with it, like tomato sauce, because that's when the, the alloys, like the, the nickel mm. and stuff can leach out into your food. And if it's scratched or damaged in any way, you probably want to go ahead and replace it right. uh, because that's another thing that will open you up to getting uh, more of the, the metal alloys that are in there leaching out into your food. Right. And uh, it should be noted that most of the leaching that comes out of the stainless steel, some of, some of the alloys that you mentioned, um, they are at their highest level of Leach, leachability within the first <laughs> six to 10 cooking cycles. So if you've already had these for a year, like, and they're not scratched, they're not going to leach any more today than they, than they did yesterday. Um, the, the leaching has been off leached. Yes. <laughs> off leached. I can't even say that. <laughs> uh, we're just creating our own terms here. That's what we do. And, um, I would just, I mean, I, I'm, how many, how many minutes have we been doing this? It's like 20 minutes and we've only said, that's what she says once. So we're going to keep a counter going here. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and just so you know, I mean, Molly and I are, you know, probably text that to each other a couple times a week, at least uh, because <laughs> we watch the office <laughs> at least a couple times a week. <laughs> We, yeah, all the time. I think people, especially on lives and stuff when you're on Instagram, I feel like I say stuff and people are probably like, what are they talking about? Yeah, like who, who we're talking about something serious. Why are you saying that? I requested to, to join your last live, but you signed off before you saw it, I think. Oh, I didn't see that. No. I didn't I even know you could do that. But I guess if you're friends with somebody, a little thing pops up that says request to join the live. I don't think you have to be friends because I get a lot of those um, while I'm while I'm live from people I don't know. Oh. Um, I think, cause, and I've actually hit the button on accident because I'm like playing around, oh, what's this do? Oh, I requested to be in their live. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so, okay. Copper. Ooh. That's another bad one. You're going to cook in your Moscow mule mug. Yeah. <laughs> make, a, make a cake <laughs> mug. <laughs> uh, I don't really see copper, copper 
pans being used, I, I don't know, that much. Except I, by like, I don't know, Martha Stewart and her little fancy rose gold stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think it's a very popular cookware, but uh, like one of my friends over Christmas told me that for Christmas, her parents got them like a whole set of copper cookware. And she's very like along the lines of us, like very aware of her environment. And also she just had a baby uh, this month. So um, she was like, I don't know what to tell them because I know this was a lot of money, but I'm definitely not cooking with this. <laughs> oh, well, maybe, I mean, if it was brand new, she could just exchange it for something. And I think the, copper isn't maybe from a good, better, best. It's, I would still call it good, depending what the base is, right? If it's not like an aluminum base, but it's got the um, the co- the um, acidic warning with it because yeah. uh, high concentrations of copper are poisonous. Uh, but you're talking like a higher level of pH, like probably over six or seven. Um, I'm not sure what tomatoes are. <laughs> I don't know why we're only using tomatoes as like an, an ex- Oh, wow. I can't talk as an example. Um, But some people were concerned about things like Moscow mules because of the acidity in like lime and limes, the amount of limes in a Moscow mule. I just, I don't think you have anything to, to worry about there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think also uh, it's cold and when stuff is cold, we know that slows down the leaching process and I think you'd have to drink a lot of them to yeah. <laughs> probably make it. At that point, you have bigger issues with the vodka <laughs> that's coming into your system. So Your body's going to stop at some point. Right, right. Ab- absorbing that. And most people aren't making that at home in a copper mug. I mean, if you are, you're extra fancy and you get some extra points for your bartending skills. Mm. But I think that's more of like a once in a while you're at a bar and order one and it comes in a copper mug. Um, right. You know, it's easy to, you go down these rabbit holes, you find out something's dangerous. It's easy to want to just like swear off of it and never touch it again. But in reality, in small amounts, these things like copper are not going to harm you. It's when you're cooking all your meals on it day in, day out, that it starts to really represent a, a risk to your health and your family's health. Right. And um, I th- I wanted to make a note early, uh as well because copper pans also tend to have nickel in them. And so I think when people hear the word stainless steel, like they aren't associating that with, you know, a bunch of different types of metals. They right. just stainless steel is like almost in its own category, like it's its own metal, but it's it's a blend. And copper doesn't just contain copper. It can also contain nickel, which I know a lot of people have known sensitivities to. Like they don't wear copper or um, they don't wear nickel jewelry and they're really particular about that. And there are certain foods that can, um, uh, that are, aren't agreeable with people with nick, nickel allergies and yeah. sensitivities. So when you're picking your, your cookware, uh, make sure you understand if you do have some sort of sensitivity to a heavy metal um, that you know what's kind of incorporated with maybe the main draw so something like copper can also contain other metals as well 
That's true. And I think a lot more women are aware if they have a nickel allergy just because of the jewelry component. You get, you know, you wear the nickel studs in your ears and suddenly your ears are irritated and itchy. But even for men, um, if you've ever had an issue with the, the button inside of jeans, um, you know, right below your belly button, that hitting your skin and creating a rash, that's how a lot of people figure out that they huh. have a nickel sensitivity or allergy because nickel's used a lot or in a blend in that. And, um, but I think especially for men who don't have the, the jewelry component, maybe they just don't know why they're getting irritated when they wear certain pairs of jeans. I've never heard of that connection. Yeah. And well, I mean, in, in West, in Western medicine and in I, West I'm not Philadelphia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Born and raised. Um, Western you know, medicine. Yeah, I feel sorry. like you get little rashes and people, you, you don't go to the doctor for it. And if you do, they, it's not a big deal. They don't really like get to the root of like, oh, you have the sensitivity. And so you don't have an Absolute understanding. Steroid cream. Exactly. Yeah. Just put cortisol or whatever, or cortisol, cortisol, what is it? Cortisone. Cortisone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On it. Apparently we're both having issues can, today. Can you check my cortisol levels? Yes. Yes. Um, I forgot what we were talking about. Copper. Copper. And nickel. You know, but I mean, if you're so sensitive that your body's having rashes when it's topically touching you, imagine what it's doing on the inside if you're ingesting food that's been cooked with it. It's a scary thought. Yeah. All right. So now ceramic, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about ceramic later, but I think uh, a lot of people who have kind of the baseline knowledge of what we talked about, they, they are... Maybe they don't want to use anything with an aluminum base and they're definitely not using Teflon. They haven't found any stainless steel that meet their standards. They're like, I'm all about ceramic and ceramic is amazing. And what we've seen is the the ones that, you know, at, when we wrote this post, primarily some of the healthy living people would promote these ceramic pans. And when you actually go and look at what they are comprised of it's an aluminum base and it there is a spray coating of a ceramic um uh, just well I guess it's just a ceramic coating that they spray on and, and bake onto the onto the aluminum pan and it also kind of is like this non-stick and I'm like where is that non-stick coming from like that's it's just it, it kind of raised red flags to me because yeah. again you've got uh, the first concern about the aluminum base. And if you're just spray painting, <laughs> essentially a coating <laughs> on, think of how easy it is to just chip. And, um, so that gave me my first pause about it. And there just isn't enough, um, data or science being done about these new, uh, coatings it's sort of like the, they've got these data gaps of the science hasn't been done yet. We're just going to assume that it's safe or it hasn't, you know, caused anything. We haven't connected it to anything yet. And so I guess that's my first kind of just wary, just be cautious about it. Um, again, from a good, better, best, I think it it is probably, I don't know, somewhere between good and, and better uh, if, if it's, you know, one of those aluminum base spray painted ceramic options. <laughs> what, what, what's your take on it? Um, you know, here's another one that I got so many messages about after we published our post, because, you know, a lot of people who follow you or I, or who are listening to this now are, are more health minded and probably have tried to seek out, uh, non Teflon cookware. And so a lot of them have bought the, uh, 
you know, it's marketed as like eco-friendly nonstick or, you know, yeah. non-toxic nonstick. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think there's any type of damage done to the pan, suddenly, you know, it's, it's chipped a little or scratched and you've really opened yourself up to um, having it leach into your food, the metal that's underneath. Uh, how do you even clean it? Because if you need to use any type of scrub, scrubber or scrub brush, like I feel like I would feel uncomfortable with that because I, would, I wouldn't want to scrub away that coating that was there. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know that that's the best choice, but if, it, if it's what you already have, um, I'm not telling you just to throw it all away. Like Janie said, I think it's probably better than a lot of what's out there. I would just be wary if it, if it becomes damaged. Right. I would, I would agree with that. And then why don't you talk a little bit about like enamel and glass? Well, enamel is is another popular one, I, I feel like, within the healthy living community because it's perceived to be healthier than uh, Teflon, um, and you don't have the problems that you have with the metal alloys, except um, usually enamel, well, I, I shouldn't say usually, but it is oftentimes contaminated with heavy metals, even lead. So it's it's something that I personally don't feel comfortable cooking with um, unless I had a, a test, something at home that I could test the levels of those things with. And I don't have any type of testing. I have no desire to buy a test kit. Instead, I'd rather just purchase something that I feel comfortable with in the first place than buy something that I feel like I need to test. Mm. Um, and as far as glass, um, you know, that's a, that's a good one. In the past, uh, you know, there's several different types of, of glass. Pyrex was really the pioneer in this field for creating um, a type of glass that could withstand temperature changes and not mm -hmm. just burst. Um, historically, the clear glass Pyrex type cookware has been pretty has has been pretty well with testing. If you start to get into some of the glass cookware that might be um, opaque or have paint used on it. Um, some of those have, have actually tested and shown to be contaminated with things like lead. So I would just be careful and maybe stick to, like if you're looking at bakeware and things like that and you want to use like a, a Pyrex pan, I would just stick with the clear glass Pyrex. Yeah, agreed. Um, and so the enamel, um, it's it's kind of like, there, there's a, a few popular brands where they, they all come out with these like really bright, like, you know, color of the season. Right. And Oh, what the, brand are you talking about, Janie? Oh my goodness. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder. Um, it's a uh, not American and, uh, and I actually had one of those, but, um, it, yeah, they're very shiny and it makes it seem like it's sort of like, you know, uh, got a kind of acts the same way that glass does. Um, but yeah, those are the ones to be cautious of, particularly the, the ones that have, have color in them. But I'm going to get more into that in a second when I can tell you how I got duped one uh, recently. As, as At the time, I had written this post and I was recommending something that I had, um, I, you know, just didn't realize was contaminated. It happens to the best of us. It does. It does. <laughs> and so the same thing, like the uh, crock pots have, um, are kind of the same with the, the shiny um, coating um, 
in them. And so like the, the slow cookers, they can either have enamel or even Teflon. I'm thinking like maybe the older ones, because the crock pot that I have had in my house for many years does not have Teflon. Mine um, does not either, but I, I've seen some at the store that, that do. Really? They're still selling them? Well, now it's not. So they've almost reinvented Teflon. I don't even know if it's DuPont at this point, but, uh, you know, they've made it without, they say it's without the harmful components. The, but the PFOA? Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> they said that Teflon was safe when it came out. Now, what's, yeah. what's in this new version? Like, who knows, right? right? Exactly. Years. This is what happened with BPA, right? Like right. Right. We're not going to use BPA. We're going to use BPS. And then they found out that was actually worse than BPA. Yeah. Like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So. Um, and then Instapots. You tell us how you feel about an Instapot. Well, I don't know. I never felt great about Instapot because I think if I don't really fully understand why something is operating a certain way then um like i don't feel comfortable adopting it uh but, but i saw like everybody doing all these recipes with instapot now i don't you, you and i both don't cook meat in our house so I, I mean a lot of these recipes are like you know for whole chickens and they you know cook the chicken in like 14 seconds yeah. and um and so that there was never an appeal but i'm like why is it cooking that way and like why is it doing it so fast and i understand that, that what what pressure cooking is and so i guess when i um was looking deeper into pressure cooking i found um even for things like bone broth that it dramatically increases the glutamine which becomes a problem when it metabolizes into glutamate and once it gets past the brain um, blood barrier and so I, I think, you know, from a geek nerd level, I was like, oh, well, that doesn't sound good. So if like it's pressure cooking in and of itself bad, I don't, I don't know. But you come across this information and um, you kind of pair some where people like me are coming from. I don't have a need for an Instapot. I'm not trying to cook my food with, you know, in, in 20 minutes that should be sitting there for several hours. Um, and I'm not totally convinced that pressure cooking is, uh, creating an unhealthy risk. So just with all those paired together, there was no need for me to even investigate further from, for me personally to feel like I'm missing out on an Instapot. So, um, not to say that if you have an Instapot, you should ditch it, but, um, those are just, were some of my initial findings when I, you know, started looking into it, but there's, there's no, there's no Teflon, um, and or um, enamel, I believe. I don't. I don't think they they have that concern. I think they're just stainless steel, right? Yeah, but what grade? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody look into that and get back to us. Hey, research. Oh, we don't have a team. You know, like, like some of those big podcasts. You know, they're like, hey, can you can you you know fact check that for me? And they got people on the side doing I mean, it for them. How amazing would that be? It wouldn't have taken us years to write this post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just us. What we're one two two woman show yeah on opposite sides of the uh the coast yes trying to make it work <laughs> <laughs> somehow we do it I don't know how yeah so do you how do you feel about instapot same way I mean the same I you know honestly the interest wasn't there because I don't eat meat so I never had like you said I I don't have a desire I don't most of what I cook is pretty quick like I don't need to you know roast a whole chicken and 
make it roast in 10 minutes or whatever it does. Um, yeah, we, we don't even know what it does. I know. <laughs> it cooks things faster. It's like the dark ages. They don't understand science. So they just say it's the devil. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I mean, I don't want to be like that. But in all honesty, like I've never been that interested from what I little I know about it. I think it's not for me, but I don't I'm not going to like make a broad sweeping statement and say it's not not good. Why not? You don't want some hate mail? <laughs> Everybody loves their Instapots. Um, I think it's so hard because there's so many times that people will email me specific situations and it's like, you need to do what's best for you. I can tell you what I would do, but everybody has different budgets, different concerns, a different amount that they cook and eat at home each week. Um, you might have small kids in your family. It might be just you. Um, and so, and there's a lot of factors that come into it and, um, maybe you've invested a lot of money into certain items and Instapot being one of them. And so you don't have the money to like swap it out for other stuff. So, right. And it may, maybe works for, for your family and you, you know, you get home at a certain time, you throw something in there, you know, it's going to be ready and you have your routine and it works great. Then, you know, good for you. Yeah. I mean, the point of this is not to, uh, guilt or shame anybody into, like you had said, like buying new cookware. I think overall, if you're going to the trouble to go out and seek out healthier food options, pay for organic food, and then you bring it home, like you don't want to undo all that healthy stuff and money that you, extra money you paid to have organic food by Mm -hmm. cooking it in something that's going to add toxins back in. So this is really just about making the best choices for for what works for your time, your budget, Mm -hmm. and your family. And if you have all stainless steel and you feel comfortable with it and you know it's not damaged, then cook with that and feel good about the food that you're serving your your family. Uh, The the only one I I really feel like you need to get rid of is Teflon. Like you need to get that out immediately. Right. You should just like put it under your bed as like, you know, a weapon. If you want to hit a bad guy (laughs) over the head who comes into your room. Like Rapunzel? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, you can tell we both have six-year-old girls (laughs) (laughs) exactly so I um you know you had mentioned like going through all the trouble of of investing in your food and buying high quality food and then you know contaminating it potentially with with some of 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 the cookware that's in your home I mean that's exactly how I feel about microwaves too you guys so I'm not going to be you know beat a drum about like EMFs, although you should look into that. Um, but if you really look into like what the microwave, uh, is it, it actually changes your food on a molecular level. And I mean, and it's getting done really quick. So I would just, um, encourage people to really like get away from like the conspiracy theories of just, if, if, if the whole EMF thing bothers you, just look at what happens to the food from a molecular structure. Um, and, there's no point in you buying organic food if you're just going to like, you know, change things when you throw it into the microwave um, on a regular basis. That's just, you know, how I feel about it. So right, I would just encourage people to, you know, if you're investing, like like we've talked about, try and preserve uh, some of the stuff that you've invested in. And, um, and it doesn't really take that long to just really throw it on the stove and just heat it up. So it's just, I know you can do it. Got this. <laughs> it really, you know, I think if, if it's there, people want to use it because it's easier, but 
uh, whatever it is that we need to reheat, I usually just set the oven to 350 and put it in there. And uh-huh. even by the time the oven's fully heated up, it's already like reheated. Right. Yeah. You um, don't need to wait for it to like, you know, get to 350, just throw it in there as it warms up. Yeah. And I mean, we have, we have a microwave that's actually built in to our like cabinetry system. So, I mean, unless we, you know, went through a lot of work to, you know, remove it and replace it, which, you know, it's not a very high item on our priority list to do. It's there. I use it as a warmer, like, you know, when food's done and I just, I put stuff in it just to contain (laughs) the heat, but I don't turn it in. We do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I use it to heat up. uh, We have a heat pack that's full of rice and I I use it to heat that up. So we do have that too. Um, You know what? That's actually a really good point. I have used the microwave to heat the rice, the rice thing up and, um, Wow. Now I guess I need to keep my microwave. Yeah. I don't know how else I would heat it up without it. Uh, yeah. You can't really cook it, right? <laughs> Accidentally gets water on it and the, when the rice starts like <laughs> swelling. Yeah. So, okay. Let's, let's talk about the good stuff or what people can do if they're looking for something um, better to cook with. Um, I, uh, where are, I think if I, I can speak with oh, speak with Molly, I can speak for Molly and say that we both love our cast iron. Like it's like yes. our go-to, uh, and it can because it's evenly distributing heat. It can tolerate high heat. It's not toxic to humans or birds. Um, it's you can reseason the pan. It's it's very easy to do. I mean, it's it's getting seasoned as as you cook with it. Um, with proper care and um, it also makes your food more iron rich if you didn't catch that in the name cast iron so there are certain people in the population who have excess iron in their body so those are the people that just need to be cautious of cast iron because uh, the that's one um, I guess you can't detox iron from your body it only exits your body through blood loss so I like my dad actually for years had excess iron in his blood and he had to go give blood regularly. So he, they were like, he was like one of their favorite people to see because he had this iron rich blood and he needed to get rid of it. And, um, and so, yeah, but now he's for some reason, um, his iron deficient. So yeah, it's, I don't know. They just, they drained him dry. <laughs> they um, took all of his iron. So he wouldn't have been somebody that should have like, you know, added more iron to his diet through something like cast iron. But now this would, this would be a good thing for him to use. Um, and, but again, you need to just make sure it's not the, um, you know, if you're looking for like the, the good stuff, you're not going to want the aluminum base with the, with the spray coating it's not going to be as slick as the kind with with coating it's going to be a little bit more um uh have I don't know how would you describe the texture like uh bumpy yeah it's it's a little bumpy I don't know if I would call it rough but it's definitely got some texture to it and um some come pre-seasoned with oil and those might feel a little smoother but there's definitely quite a bit of texture if you run your hand across it. So there are some out there that are coated with nonstick coatings, which totally negates the fact that you're buying a cast iron pan. And so I don't know that the one I had actually had nonstick coating, but what I found out later, and it's one of those cast iron pans that has the bright colors, you know, on the outside. (laughs) And I was like, oh, well, the inside's black. 
so that's the cast iron so I'm not going to be too concerned because I'm not cooking with the outside there's no enamel in it but lo and behold if you actually dig a little bit deeper and you um, they actually have enamel in with the cast iron and I was like what in the world like that's not cool and so that was one thing that I felt like I got totally blindsided by because there was just the assumption that the enamel was just on the outside because it was like shiny and it had you know paint on it whereas the inside was just like the black looked like cast iron but yet um, there was enamel in it and I just didn't even know and didn't they say they did that to make it dishwasher safe uh, is that what they said? I, I, I feel like I was just so angry. I just, well, I wasn't so angry, but I was like so <laughs> befuddled and I'm like, what in the world? Like, um, yeah. So, well, so, but I would say that's a big red flag. If you're buying cast iron, cast iron is not dishwasher safe. And if yeah. it says anywhere on the packaging that it's dishwasher safe, you're not getting pure cast iron. And in fact, we don't even use uh soap with ours unless it's like, um, there's a, I don't know. I accidentally set my food on fire and it's cooked on. <laughs> like uh, usually, so you have like one of those little metal scrubber thingies and um, just take it to the sink, put water and, you know, um, kind of scrub it out if it needs to. And you just have to make sure it you dry it thoroughly and I just put it right back on my stovetop. So I do this basically every day. Yeah. And it's so easy to use. And since you're not using soap, the seasoning will generally build up. Um, and ours, we do cook fish occasionally is the only type of meat that we'll cook and mine is so seasoned now that even last night I cooked fish and it just it didn't stick at all I mean when I went to flip it it just peeled right up you know or lifted right up I should say there wasn't adhering to the pan whatsoever and so you can like re-season um your pans and pick your favorite favorite oil um there there are also um, so on the blog post, we'll give you some recommendations. Um, some of them are really are, are pricey. Um, and some of them are kind of, you know, really budget friendly, but one of the budgie, budgie, <laughs> budget, <laughs> the budget friendly version was, uh, I think it was lodge, but they actually, uh, season their pan with GMO soy oil, which yeah. would, yuck. So you, and if you go to our blog post, which I'll like link everything to in the podcast show notes um you can de-season it you can buy that more budget-friendly one and then remove that uh, just by some simple steps with your oven take it off and then re-season it with the oil of your choice and then just know as time goes on you'll you're eventually you're just re-seasoning it um with with your with your um with your cooking. And so if you've already bought Lodge and you've cooked with it for six to 10 cycles, like, yeah, you've already reseasoned it. So, yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, that's another one where it's an, it's, it's hard for people. If you're, if you're going to have one nice pan, like, you know, fry pan, I would say to go with the cast iron one for that. And, uh, if you want to go high end for the higher end brand we recommended, that's, it's, a beautiful pan. It works well. It's going to come um, seasoned just right. And but Lodge is so easy. I reseasoned one of my Lodge pans in, in the oven, and it wasn't really that hard. It didn't take me that long. And um, now it's of course seasoned just through me cooking. But right. um, either way, I think it is good is a good way to go. So I am, um, you know, we'll have 
a family member or babysitter come over and every once in a while. And I, that's one of my things that I think about because, you know, I'll have either food ready or tell her to heat food up in the pan. And, you know, a lot of people being helpful, they'll, I'll come home and I'll see that they have washed my cast iron pan. And, and not only <laughs> that, they haven't dried it. Um, like, you know, they wash it and then they put it in like the drain or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my pan, <laughs> uh, because I know that they use soap on it. And so it, it, the cast iron, um, particularly the more higher end, they're, they're a little bit more higher maintenance, um, just because you want to make sure that you're, you're, they're going to last you. I looked at them as sort of like this heirloom investment. Like I, this is one that's going to survive me and get passed down to my grandchildren because it's just like this beautiful product. Um, well-designed made in America, like just, um, incredible, um, cast iron. But I also like, I just want to make sure it doesn't rust and it's, um, you know, just taken care of. And so <laughs> we had, we had a house sitter come over when we were, um, uh, where did we go? I can't even remember. We went on vacation and I like, I'm like, okay, so if you want to cook, like do whatever you're going to do, but if you use this pan, just make sure you don't use soap. And, um, if, and when you do clean it out, um, make sure it's just thoroughly dried so it doesn't rust. And I mean, she opted to not use it as, as I probably <laughs> would if I was a 23 year old girl going, okay, wait, uh, whatever old lady in your obsession with your pan. Yeah. Like so, I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I'll just, how would I just not use it? Yeah. That's really funny. So, um, uh, I saw uh, on Twitter, there was a guy who said I cleaned up the whole kitchen for my girlfriend and I put her cast iron pan in the dishwasher and everybody was like no like just a storm of tweets like she's gonna break up with you you better get that out she's gonna kill you yes oh no so funny serious kitchen faux pas exactly all right Molly give us the uh, lowdown on the real ceramic the real ceramic um are we doing brands or what are we doing I mean, yeah, we can, we can mention them. We'll, we'll link to them. Um, because I, I think we have discount codes, but I forgot to check. So if we do, I'll link them in the show notes. <laughs> okay. We, we do. I, I went back and looked, we do have discount codes for, for Extrema or is it Extrema? How do you say it? I usually say Extrema. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know either. Extrema. That probably makes more sense. Extrema is uh, 100% ceramic. So it's not just coated in ceramic. It's, you know, you break it open, the core, everything is fully ceramic. Um, There's no metal in it. Um, Then the cookware is uh, fired at 25,000 or 2,500 degrees, excuse me, for 24 hours. So um, it ends up with a smooth surface that... um, you know, it's wouldn't officially be called nonstick, but from myself using it, it's it's very nonstick. I've burned it's a glaze. Stuff. Yeah, it's I've burnt stuff on there, and it's uh, it comes right off with with minimal effort of me scraping. And unfortunately, I burn a lot of things, but I'm a distracted <laughs> cook with two kids, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I really like it. Um, one thing it's, it is breakable, um, since it's pure ceramic, you know, just like glass or, you know, a ceramic pot that you have, you can't, um, if you drop it, it'll break. Or if you go from one extreme temperature to another. So I wouldn't say put 
something very cold in it and put it on a hot burner because it'll probably crack. So there's some, some extra care that you would want to, you know, give it. I tend to, if I'm pulling it off a hot burner, I'll put it on a pot holder rather than put it on a cold burner. Cause I don't want it to have like a sudden temperature change. Right. Or um, put it onto your cold, uh, you know, granite countertop. Yeah, exactly. And that's, yeah. So I've had great luck cooking with it. I'm really happy with how nonstick it is. And I feel like they have a, a good array of sizes and types of pots and pans so that you mm-hmm. can find, what you're looking for as far as what you need to cook most of your meals on. Right. Um, yeah, I have a few of their, um, big, are they saucepans that are like, you know, like three or four inches high and they're, and I even have one that's like, has a divider in the middle. Uh, so you could, what I originally bought it for was when I was cooking meals and they had like a lot of heat to them like spice and I know my daughter doesn't want anything spicy and so I would make the same recipe and I would you know put you know some of it on the other half of the pan um with on the other side of the divider and not add the spices so I wasn't getting two pans dirty I was just using one pan and had a little divider and I'm like this is a little nifty little nifty pot genius pan whatever yeah I uh I have their brazier um which is like a like a fry pan, I guess, except for there's no long handle and it's got a little bit of a higher side around it. And then I, I think also- that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The brazier it's yeah. Okay. It's not a skillet. It doesn't have like a long handle it has two small handles on the sides. Right. We're doing great at this cookware post. We don't even know what yeah. kind of cookware. Yeah. <laughs> I literally don't know. <laughs> they're just, they're all pots to me. All pots. That's why this is the pot cast, right? Exactly. <laughs> I logged in to see she titled this the podcast. Yeah. So, with a and it's funny though, because I do actually have a podcast on pot. So this is, um, if you were, if you stumbled in here on accident, you really want one on pos- pot. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be keep, very disappointed. Go on without me. Yeah. <laughs> just keep no, going. Anybody who is searching your podcast about pot and came on this one is like really disappointed. <laughs> when are you going to get to baking the brownies? Exactly. Um, well, I also have a set of their saucepans um, in four different sizes and they all have lids and stuff. So I've been, I've been really happy with them. I've cooked a large variety of things on, on their stuff and everything's been great. I'm glad. I'm glad for you. <laughs> I was just going to stop talking. <laughs> Are you, have you just given up now? Yeah. Okay. It's my podcast now, guys. I'm <laughs> yeah. taking over. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yes, Extrema, we have uh, codes. I believe mine is Janny 10 and yours is Molly 10. Mine is M pure oh, crap. but yeah they see <laughs> this is why did I choose a French name and then I always get like hi Mason and I'm like that's not my name yeah. uh but they put I'll I'll just I'll spell it out m-p-u-r-10 to save some money <laughs> all right um all right then on to something that's actually called a pot is clay pots so I have a clay pot it is it's not very large. It's actually, I think, referred to as like a yogurt maker. Um, so let me take a step back a second here. So clay is organic and unglazed, and it actually acts, activates enzymes and minerals in your food, which can help with things like digestion and 
enhancing flavors. And it's basically like a slow cooker. So if this isn't, I'm not a big slow cooker either. I'm not a fast cooker with an Instant Pot and I'm not a slow cooker. I'm kind of a middle <laughs> ground cooker. Um, You're just bucking all the, the norms. Yeah, You're like, yes. I, I need my own cooker. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I have a slow cooker because it's, you know, it's like, I don't know, were you given one when you became an adult or got married? Yes. Like, they're just things that are given to you. So it's, I probably used my slow cooker a handful of times. There was a season in my life that I used it quite a bit. I was making like this oatmeal thing. And, um, yeah, I just don't do that anymore. So I didn't feel like I needed to invest in a larger clay pot cause I just don't slow cook. So, but I do make this amazing thing called boss sauce, which is a, um, it's a vegan version of sort of like a nacho cheese and it's got like red bell pepper and nutritional yeast. And, um, I don't even remember. I'll, I'll put, put all that somewhere. Um, <laughs> that's really good. You're, yeah. The listeners are going to de- love that. It's delicious. And you can like, it's sort of like nacho cheese where you can, you know, just dip your chip in it or you can put it on top of, you know, some veggie bowl dish that you're making or whatever. So, but a lot of people that have had it at my house really love it, but it, it gets cold really quickly because you blend it all up and you can actually heat it up in the blender or pour it onto, you know, a pot on the, um, on the stove and heat it up. That's a very long description to tell you what clay pots are and why I have this one. Um, but, uh, (laughs) what I found the best use because we make this so much and so many people love it is I'll blend up the boss sauce and I pour it into the little clay, um, slow cooker and just put it on low and just leave it in there. So it doesn't get cold and it stays like this nacho cheese consistency, you know, for people to just kind of walk over there and scoop some out or, um, you know, dip their, tortilla chip in so well are you um, gonna put out a pot of boss sauce when I come visit you uh I don't know it's oh it's got cashews in it can uh, Carson even have cashews no no yeah no he's no. cashew we we've kicked a lot of the allergies but he still has cashew but he can have peanuts he can have peanuts and almonds and I'm so so thankful and praise the lord every day for that because uh Almonds, I feel like there's so many almond products, almond milk, uh-huh. almond butter. Yep. That I mean, that opens it up. And peanuts has been a more recent thing that we found out. And that is just like life-changing. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll test the boss sauce with almonds and see what happens. Ooh, yeah, that would be good. And yeah, I mean, cashews seem to be like the vegans' like uh, secret ingredient for cheese. But I don't know. I've had some almond milk ricotta that's pretty delicious. So. Ooh, that sounds um, good. So anyway, I, I do have this clay pot that I am talking about. I just don't have it as a slow cooker. However, a lot of my readers have told me that they have, um, gotten the bigger ones and they absolutely love it. Um, and it's replaced their, uh, slow cookers. Um, their, what are they? What, what are we, crock, what, pots. crock pot. That's what I'm trying to think of. And so they've got, um, you know, slow cookers, rice cookers, soup cookers, bone broth, I don't really know the difference. I just got one that was like two quarts um, and it can make yogurt or, you know, for me, it was just basically my boss sauce warmer. <laughs> so. It's a very fancy boss sauce warmer. Yeah. Yeah. It's got its own. It's, it's got one. It's got one purpose in my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> that would never fly at my house. It, it's so small though. Like it, that's what she said. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Um, so I do 
let's talk a little bit about China and lead. Okay. Because, uh, the thing about Extrema and the clay cooker is that they're both manufactured in um, China. I think, I think Vita Clay is. Um, oh, I'm not sure about, I know ex- Extrema. Extrema. Extrema is Extrema, Extrema. They also have another name too. And um, so I, and I was just telling Molly, I'm like, this is, a, this is the hard part about this, this podcast or this post is because there is no like standard rule book about this. It's sort of like you have to make your own kind of good, better, best. This is what works for my family. And the standard rule in, our, at least my home is usually if it's manufactured in China, it's almost like an automatic no for me. And I don't even look any further because their regulations are, um, less enforced, easily manipulated, easily, you're, you're able to get away with a lot of stuff, um, and sneak things in and out and have them not, you know, kind of called out and tested, um, so, um, and historically, a lot of the items that have popped up having like lead contamination issues, mm-hmm. things like that, that's where they originate. They from. originate in China, right? And so, when we're we're saying like recommending things like stainless steel, we're usually saying, hey, you know, you probably want to make sure it's uh, manufactured in America or maybe Europe um, will have less likelihood of lead contamination. So, um, yeah, I just. I feel like with Extrema and Vita Clay, these are companies who are um, are very transparent about what they're doing, and they they post their testing results on their website. So that number one, they know it's a concern, and number two, they are actually checking it on a regular basis and updating. I mean, in, on Extrema, you can see all of their test results. You can go back and and see the most recent one, and then you know what it was, you know the the prior one that they did and there's just there's just this list of pdf documents that you can look and see uh the levels so um i think when at least for me and in, in any uh product especially you and i like being in like a green beauty world we're so used to communicating directly with the owners and that's something you don't get out of these really large companies like um uh some, some of these ones we've referred to, we were talking about like the, the bright color, like you're not going to go get the owner of these, these companies on the phone. Um, whereas I think our skincare companies are to our cookware companies. Like we we've talked with, you know, some of the founders and I don't know that, that communicates such a, a level of, um, commitment and transparency that they are a smaller company and they are actually able to have their hands in on the whole entire process and they know kind of cradle to grave and there's not really anything being overlooked and so um, at least for me that's giving me more peace of mind about purchasing something that is originates from China because the things that I'm concerned about I know that they're addressing right I feel the same way Um, And having, you know, you get a different feeling when you are able to actually speak to the person who founded the company. um, And you know that they, the whole reason they even founded the company is because they came from a place of where we're coming from, like frustration that there's not safer cookware out there. And they wanted to create something that was safe. Um, So, you know, I inherently, I guess, 
I just kind of feel a little bit better dealing with a company that's transparent rather than a company that is not. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. And at least have when, if you call somebody that it's, they're not just reading from a script that they actually know what they're talking about um, and have had experience and they actually know the process. They're not just kind of Googling the FAQ on their document because they're a customer service rep and like no disrespect to customer service reps at big companies. um, But it, uh, I've worked for really large companies and I have, been the person that has regurgitated information and I actually have zero idea if what I am saying is actually true and if it's getting done um, and if there um, are even site visits that happen and with these uh, with extrema I know that that that's happening so um, even with all of that I still have gotten messages from people saying that like um, oh like they're they're still concerned with with um, with with lead in anything that, that comes out of uh, China or any cookware or anything that has ever touched any surface of the earth, there's going to be lead on it. And to that, I say, you know what? I can't live in a world of extremists um, because, of course, if you come and look at my kind of uh, janified, less toxic home, you're going to find toxins in here, whether, and they, they aren't because I, I wanted them here. And it's not because I even know that they're here. There's stuff that's going to sneak in, um, and maybe might be unavoidable. And so if you come and scrub and find that there's lead on the, uh, the electrical cord that plugs into my wall, like I, I would be proud to say that that's the only place you found it. Um, so I think just keep in mind when, when you're looking at reviews of things and you, they happen to find lead on, you know, the bottom of a, of a pan and, you know, demand a recall of all, of all things. Um, I would, uh, I would just exercise caution. I mean, are you going to cook on the bottom of the pan and then, and then lick it or, um, where, where's, your, where's your food coming from? And <laughs> so I, yeah, I think this is a slippery slope because, uh, one, you can't, if it's keeping you up at night that like you're surrounded by toxins, that in itself is going to be toxic to you. You're going to get yourself so worked up, which creates a chain reaction in your body that promotes all sorts of bad things happening. So, and then you're going to have to turn on your microwave to heat up your like, you know, rice thing to cool down, you know, to, you know, put on your neck to eliminate stress <laughs> and then it's just this is a vicious cycle it really is but I think you know okay a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the health and wellness uh, sphere you know it's bringing awareness to certain things that you might not have known were bad for you and then presenting a better option and most of the time there's tons of safer options out there I think cookware is truly one of the few areas where there's just not an abundance of like safer options. Like most of what's out there is complete garbage. And that's going to be all you walk down the the aisle and you see the shelves and shelves of the new type of nonstick and the Mm -hmm. eco-friendly nonstick and all that. Um, You know, so it's, it's harder to zero in on the things that are safe and are truly as safe as they say they are on the label. Um, so that's why we've tried to approach this as good, better, best um, right. in part two. So it's you just have to do what works for you and what what you feel good about for you and your family. 
And even to that to that point with where you cook, there's there is evidence on either side that, you know, don't cook with a gas stove because it's emitting blah, 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 blah. And it's really bad for people with MTHFR. And then you're like, well, don't cook on an induction stove either because it emits EMF. So you you kind of just got to unless you're going to go outside and build a fire every day to cook on. I mean, you're you have to kind of just decide this is this is where I'm at, and this is how I'm going to make healthier choices with what I've got, and I'm going to switch out one or two things here, um, and I'm you know you've got to be you know satisfied and feel proud of yourself and not stress about it, and um, you know don't elevate those cortisol levels. <laughs> you know, it's honestly do the best you have with with what you or the best you can with what you have is kind of been my motto since I started switching over personal care and household items. It's not going to be perfect. I'm not a millionaire. I can't afford to switch all the things over at once that I'd want to switch. So, you know, just day to day, I'm seeing what do I have that's the best thing that I could use for this that's going to have the least health impact. And right. yeah, I mean, I, you can't stress about it. Yeah. And so, I, you know, and we're not going to go into like all this stuff about storage. You can, you know, they're just kind of highlights and blurbs and some of our recommendations about how to store food and um, all of that. And you can, you can click on either one of our blog posts to, it's basically the same. We have the same blog post <laughs> on our, on our, each of our blogs. And yeah, so we would, um, we hope that this has been um, helpful and uh, at least if not anything, just entertaining. <laughs> That's what she said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Molly, was there anything else you wanted to say before we uh, jet? Uh, nope. I think that's it. All right, cool. All right, guys. Well, uh, here's to cooking healthier. And um, I don't know, maybe you can cook us a meal sometime or something. Yeah, that'd be great. Bye. Bye. All right, so I promised you some closing remarks, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the lead testing that we discussed when we were talking about the Extrema cookware. So if you look up Extrema, I've had a few of you readers reach out and say that you looked up reviews and saw that there was a positive test for lead on the products. And when I look at those sites specifically, um, they're using what's called an XRF machine. An XRF machine, first of all, is an x-ray fluorescence machine, and it's designed to test soil. Now, lead is naturally occurring, and you're going to find it everywhere. It does not mean that it leaches. Um, and in California, we have what's called Proposition 65. And in order to um, pass that, uh, California tests and does some FDA um, tests for leachability for things like lead and cadmium. So Extrema, the clay pots are all California Prop 65. Um, they've passed all those standards. So just because somebody has an XRF machine, uh, first of all, does not mean that um, that they are accredited to test for leachability of lead. And it also, you just remember that that machine is not designed to test for household products whatsoever. It's designed for soil. So um, somebody um, needs to be certified and accredited through the Consumer Product Safety Commission. And 
have those qualifications and do the proper testing um, that is required to pass a gold standard such as California Prop 65. So I just wanted to bring that up. I'm also going to link to some more of this information um, because you, I, I, like we mentioned on the podcast, we don't want to take an extremist point of view and just um, feel fear lead all the time. We're concerned about ingesting the lead. Um, and so I would just encourage you to take a look at um, the link to some more of this information about what's required to pass the test, um, more about XRF testing if you um, so desire to check that out. The other thing that I brought up was microwaves. And I feel like a lot of people will say that um, there are studies that show microwaves don't, you know, alter your food. And coincidentally, um, my friends at Brunch Basics posted a blog about why they don't use microwaves just two days ago. So I went ahead and linked to that as well. Um, I'll put it in the show notes and I also will put it in the blog post. But I wanted to read something about um, just some snippets from their article about how microwaves degrade the nutrients in your food. And they kind of have the same fundamental belief that we are investing and wanting to consume clean food, nutrient-dense food. And so when you put the that food into a microwave, it's heated from the inside out instead of the outside in. I'm reading from their um, post now. As it is um, used in traditional cooking methods. Think of it like a little explosion happening within the food molecule molecules, which alters their natural composition and nutrients at the cellular level. Microwaves use highly concentrated amounts of unnatural electromagnetic energy, which is a type of radiation to heat the food, resulting in creation of foreign food particles your body does not want or need. So the controversy comes in when nutrition experts will argue that the studies are shown um, that microwaves do not degrade the nutrients or vitamin levels of the food, therefore microwave ovens are safe. Yet that truth does not prove that the food is not denatured in some way. Other controlled animal studies show clearly that eating microwave foods alter biochemical parameters. It can result in the reduction of red blood cells, white blood cells, and hemoglobin concentration, as well as increased immune cells involved in the inflammatory process. Microwaves impact and lower antioxidant enzyme activity, which translates to a significant decrease in the antioxidant protection and may be implicated in the development of the degenerative diseases. In addition, it is widely accepted that you would never heat a baby's bottle in the microwave because it alters the nutritional profile and protective nutrients in breast milk and formula. And other studies will show that microwaving does indeed alter the protein structures in foods. Bottom line, microwave foods alter food and change the blood chemistry. And so they've linked to all of the studies that they, um, you know, uh, cite and they also include some more information about the impacts of microwave radiation, including the fact that the microwave seal ages over time, and then the leaking can exceed FDA leakage limits. So um, these are just things that I encourage you to look at when you're, um, you know, you look at your microwave as something that is a standard household appliance item and a doesn't alter your food or B uh, never needs to be replaced if you do choose to use it. So I, um, again, will link all of that and you can see all the sources. And with that, I hope that you had a 
very fulfilling um, hour or so of our time filling your ears. 